0: Good morning. I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are thankful that we can come um, in in this way um, and more thankful that (laughs) this is the last Sunday in which we have this virtual service. Um, We are grateful that next week we come in together again, physically gathering as a saint, Looking forward to the fellowship that we will be having. Looking forward to um, seeing you all once again, um, and 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 just enjoying the presence of the Lord um, with you, saints. Uh, and may God bless our time together. Uh, even now, may God bless this time as we hear His Word. We continue in First John. Um, We're looking at 1 John this morning, so maybe open your Bibles or scroll to your Bibles in uh, 1 John chapter 3. Today we'll be looking at verse 11 to verse 24 on the subject of the importance of love. The importance of love. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 to 4. Before we begin, let me open up with a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, indeed it is a bright uh, morning that we draw near to you. Moreover, we thank you for the light of your word that shines in our hearts, that shows us Christ. It is our prayer and our cry this morning that you will show us Christ because we know, Lord, that we cannot go anywhere because Christ has the words of life. We pray that we will cling to you as we hear your word, that your word will sanctify us and draw us to yourself and make us um, into your children that are radiant with righteousness. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. This morning we continue our series in John's first epistles. Over the last... um, over the last two months, we've been asking the question, am I really a Christian? And we've learned that we we can have a solid answer to the question. We we, we we can have assurance of salvation, but we must examine ourselves with three tests. I keep repeating the test every Sunday, the theological test. In other words, we ask ourselves, do we believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? That the moral test We ask ourselves, is our faith in Christ accompanied by a transformed life? And the social test, is our faith in Christ accompanied by a transformed love for other believers? As I've thought about the social test in 1 John over the last few weeks, I keep having the lyrics uh, from um, um, the 80s uh, philosopher, and pop singer Tina Turner, um, in her song, what's, what's Love Got to Do With It Got to Do With It? In, in answering this question of what's love got to do with it, is uh, we're asking the question of, am I really a Christian? Well, love has to do with being a Christian. John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, we will know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. You see, love has got to do with being a Christian. It has a lot to do with being a Christian. But what exactly is love? Think about the content of the song by Tina Turner. It says, what's love got to do with it? got to do with it, what's love but a second-hand emotion? I won't repeat all the lyrics of the song because there's nothing remarkable about them. But but the song sets out a definition of love that reflects the way the world views love. It, It basically defines love as something merely physical and emotional. If somebody makes you feel good, physically or emotionally, then go ahead, love them. But if that feeling goes away, by all means, move on. Isn't that the way the world views love? This is obviously true in romantic relationships, but it's true in other relationships as well. A person's love for other people ebbs and flows based on how they feel about them. Therefore, the relationship ebbs and flows based on emotion. The world doesn't define love in terms of commitment. It defines love in terms of feelings. The Bible presents a much deeper view of love. Sure, love in the context of marriage should include physical pleasure. And I hope that all love will be accompanied by emotion and affection. But but love is fundamentally deeper than a feeling. Love is a verb. Love shows itself in tangible and practical ways. Love shows itself in sacrifice and generosity and obedience. We can know that we are really a Christian if our trust in Christ is accompanied by a transformed love for other believers. But, but this love is something far deeper than, a, than our fecal emotions. This love is grounded in the sacrificial and generous love of God. God sent his son into the world to lay down his life for us. We, we are saved by this love. It, it only makes sense that those who are saved would be marked by this kind of love as well. Look at with me, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 to 24. I read from the ESV. Follow me as I read from God's Word. This is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet does not a, does not yet closes his heart against his brother, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandment and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ Christ. And love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. This is the word of God. Our question this morning is what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with whether or not a person is a Christian? Our text gives two answers this morning. First of all, it shows us that love for other Christians is a mark of true Christians. Love for other Christians is a mark of true Christians. In other words, true Christians will love other Christians, period. Secondly, love for other Christians will be marked by Christ-likeness. In other words, Christian love is very distinctive It's not merely a feeling or It's not a feeling, it will be tangible, sacrificial, generous and obedient Let us look at the first um, area of that question What's love got to do with it? First of all, love for other Christians is a mark of true Christians We see that in verse 11 to verse 15 There's a command given in verse 11 It says we should love one another Then in verse 14 we are told We know that we have passed out of death into life Because we love the brothers If you're really a Christian You love other Christians If you have eternal life You love the brothers This is the point of the passage And before we move on here There's an important point of clarification That needs to be made We are called to love all people. We are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. But in this passage, John is talking specifically about loving other Christians. That's what he means when he says we should love one another. That's what he means when he calls uh, us to love the brothers. Obviously, that, that term brothers um, um, in, in encompasses both men and women, the, the, the brothers and sisters. Listen to what Paul, the way Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, do good to everyone and especially those who are of the household of faith. There's a priority in the Bible on taking care of the needs of those in the body. The the, the call to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, care for the poor. When you see, when you look at Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse thirty-one to forty-six, again, in James chapter one, verse twenty-seven, you look out for widows and and orphans in their distress. These all apply in the body of Christ first and foremost. We are called to love those outside the church, of course. But the call in this passage, and in many others like it, is to love those inside the church. This is the priority. And this is a social test John is putting forward in this letter. Why why is this true? Why why, why is this the case? Why will true um, Christians be mocked by love for other Christians? Well, the, the simple answer to that question is that it is because of who they are. It flows out of them. Remember what we learned last week, right? Our works don't end us favor with God. That's legalism. You see, Christ's work for us is what ends us favor with God. But because we have favor with God, we will do good works. We are saved uh, um, for good works. As you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Who we are in Christ fuels our good works. What we do flows out of who we are. As we said last week, if we have been made righteous by God through Christ, we will practice righteousness. In verse twelve we are told not to be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And and and, and why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain had a wicked heart. Death abided in him. And so he hated his brother Abel because Abel's deeds were righteous. A hate for his brother flowed out of his evil heart. On the flip side of the coin, those who have eternal life abiding in them will love their brothers. It will flow out of them. We know from First John, we know from John chapter 17, verse 3, that eternal life involves knowing the eternal God Personally, Those who hate other Christians don't have eternal life. They don't know God. We, we, we shouldn't be surprised that they hate other believers, as verse 13 says. It, it only makes sense that those who don't know God won't love those who do. Their hatred flows out of them. But, but, but those who love other Christians have eternal life. They do know God. Their love for other believers flows out of their love for God. Or well, here's another way to to put it: those who don't know God are haters. They are especially um, haters of other Christians. They, those who do not know, who do know God, are lovers, and they especially love other Christians. And this is the social test: if you know God and have eternal life you will love other people who know God our love for other Christians flows out of the love um, out of the love God has lavished on us love for other Christians will be marked by the lives of true believers of true Christians but the question is what will that love look like Is it reduced to the way we feel about other Christians? Or is there something more to it? Well, I hope it's not reduced to how we feel about other Christians. Let's be honest. We don't always feel very positive about other Christians, do we? And if our feelings only, uh, our feelings alone, drive our love for other Christians, there won't be much loving going on. And maybe that's why there's not much love going on as there should be love for other believers is not just a secondhand emotion as Tina Turner says it is tangible it is obedient and this brings us to our second point. point second point what's love got to do with it first secondly love for other Christians will be marked by Christ likeness and we see that in verse 16 to verse 24 verse 16 to verse 24 love for other Christians will be marked by Christ-likeness. Look at verse 16. By this we know that, we, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for other brothers, for the brothers. Our love for other believers should look like the love Christ showed us when he laid down his life for us. You see, Christ's example shows us that our love for other believers is grounded in two things. It is grounded, first of all, it's, it's tangible, and secondly, it's obedient. Let us look at the first one. Christ's love is tangible. In verse 16 to verse 18, we see that Christ's love is tangible. Look at verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. There is something tangible about Christ-like love. It is not merely an emotion, but in, in, in what ways? We must ask ourselves, is Christ's love tangible? First of all, it is tangible in the sense that it is sacrificial. It is a sacrificial love. Christ laid down his life for us our sins are forgiven because of his atoning sacrifice on the cross now we can't atone for anyone's sins can we but we can love in a sacrificial way we we, we can look not only to our own needs but also to the needs of others our passage gives us a very specific way to be sacrificial towards others It is almost surprising. It jumps off off of the page. What does it look like to be sacrificial toward other believers? Look at verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? The opposite is also true, isn't it? If God's love abides in you, you will take care of the needs of your brother if you are able. Second, we see here that this, this, this love that is tangible is not only sacrificial, but it is also generous. Generosity is the way we love in a tangible, sacrificial way. One of the things I love about the Bible is, is that it is always It always grounds the commands given to Christians in the gospel. We are called to be generous toward those in the body of Christ, toward those in need. But it's because God has been generous toward us, isn't it? God gave us his only son, and his son paid the ultimate price for us. Christ laid down his life for us. This is the greatest act of generosity in all of history. So it only makes sense that those of us who have come to know the generous love of God would also be generous toward other believers. How do we do this practically? Well, the obvious answer is to to do just what the text says. When we see another brother, another believer in need, and we have the means to meet that need, we do it directly we can be generous with our time our talent and our attention but the main way this text call us to be generous is with our financial and physical resources if someone needs clothes and we have clothes we have to give them um, the other believer who is in need if someone needs help with food and we have the means to provide that for them we give them food or money to buy food. These are some direct ways to take care of other believers in need. Now, the minute we start talking about financial generosity, many people want to come in and say, but remember what Paul says uh, about giving in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, when he says, Each must.'" Give As he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let me just digress a bit. People who usually use that verse are mostly not cheerful givers. They use that verse not to say, I want to be a cheerful giver, but to protect themselves so that they don't give. To defend themselves But the verse is certainly true Isn't it John's teaching Does not contradict Paul's teaching But it does nuance it Right It does give a different shade There are two points of qualification That must be made While our giving should be cheerful it also It is also true That generous giving by definition Is sacrificial giving Christ's generosity towards us was, ge- was sacrificial. Our generosity must also be sacrificial. I think sometimes we think first of our own needs be- before we think of the needs of others. We look at what we want first and then we may decide to cheerfully give from anything we have left over. But the generosity, the generosity John is talking about here is sacrificial. It looks to the needs of others before our own. So while we should be cheerful about uh, cheerful in our giving, we must also be sacrificial. We must also be sacrificial. So, first of all, John shows us that this love, this Christ-like love, is tangible. Right? It shows itself in in, in sacrificial giving and in generosity. Secondly, this Christ-like love is obedient. It is obedient. And this is the second way we, we, we love like Christ. We see this in verse 19 to verse 22. Christ-like love is obedient. Look again at the verses 19 and verse 22. He says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth, And reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. These verses are difficult to understand and difficult to translate. The traditional understanding of these verses goes something like this. We know that we are really Christians if we love other Christians in tangible ways. But we also know that we we fail to love other Christians perfectly. And so our heart condemns us, doesn't it? We have a guilty conscience, but we shouldn't beat ourselves up over failing to meet the social test perfectly. Nobody does it perfectly perfectly. And God knows what is in our hearts. So take heart and and be assured. Be reassured. That's a traditional understanding of this passage. It's an acceptable view. Certainly nobody passes the social test perfectly. But through the commentator, the help of the commentator, um, Colin Cruz, I've come to see these verses differently. In verse 19, the word translated reassure never means reassure in the rest of the New Testament. It always means persuade or convince. And the word translated heart never means, never refers to a person's, a person's conscience. The, the, the heart always refers to a person's way of thinking and feeling and their way and their will. The, the thing that drives our decision making. And in verse 20, the word condemn. In this context, probably means to object to God's way. So, another way to translate these verses is to say, Let us love indeed and in truth. By this, meaning love indeed, we shall know that we are of the truth and persuade our will before Him. For whenever our will objects to God's way, God is greater than our will. Beloved, if our will does not object to God's way, we have confidence before God. I've come to be persuaded that this is the way these verses ought to be translated. And if this translation is right, I really, it really challenges the way we think about our love for other believers. While we should give out, uh, out of a cheerful heart, there are times when our hearts doesn't want to be generous. You, you know the flood of excuses that well up in our hearts when the opportunity to be generous arises. In, in times like these, our hearts need to be persuaded. By God's explicit command. God is greater than our heart. In verse 23, we we are told plainly, this is his commandment. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just as he has commanded us. In our society, love is defined by emotions and, and feeling. But sometimes our hearts aren't just feeling it. And those uh, and in those times we we must simply obey God's explicit commands. Some people say just follow your heart, but we know that even the Christian's heart sometimes is deceitful. So sometimes our love simply needs to flow out of obedience. We, we know that Christ laid down his life for us out of obedience. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We, are, we too are called to be obedient. And when we obey, even when we don't feel like it, we need to be re- reminded of something really important something we are faced with. Um, Sometimes we are faced with the decision to be sacrificial and generous. We become afraid that we'll have to go without, or we won't even have enough. Our passage reminds us that we can trust God to take care of us when we obey his command to be generous to other believers. Look at verse 21 and 22 again. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. The, the, the God who commands us to be sacrificial and generous is also sacrificial and generous. In chapter 8, verse 32, it, 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 Paul says, He who did not spare his son, his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also with him generously give us all things? You see, God wants his children to be sacrificial and generous. But God himself is also sacrificial and generous. And he knows how to give good gifts to his children. When we obey him, we can trust him to provide for all our needs. We can ask him and he will provide. This is the wonder of our passage this morning. God has sent His only Son to lay down His life for us. That's what makes us children of God. It is not our works, it's the work of God in Christ. And now, as children of God, we are called to love other believers in tangible, sacrificial, and generous ways. And we are called to be obedient just like Christ. He's the model, and He's the motivation. And as we love other believers, we can trust God. The one who generously gave us his son is still generous to care for us. Amen. Now the question is, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with whether or not you're a Christian? It has to do a lot with it. But love is not merely linked to our feelings and emotions. It is not a second-hand emotion. Love is tangible. It is sacrificial. It is generous. Verse 24 says, Whoever keeps his commandments, in other words, the commandment to love one another, abides in God, and God in him. Do you see What John is saying here the number one identifying mark of true Christians will be how they love as God loves whoever keeps his commandments to love one another abides in him and God in him love has got to do with being a Christian. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, indeed it is a pleasure to hear from you, to hear your word. As your word reminds us and tells us of the importance of love. We thank you, Father, that we have a great example from you to love. We thank you that we can love because you have loved us first. We can look to Christ who has um, loved us in a sacrificial way, loved us in a tangible way, loved us in a generous way. So love, we, 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 we can love in this way. We thank you that you have enabled us by the Holy Spirit. You have worked in our hearts and given us this ability to love. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, may we be marked by this love. Amen.